welcome to another episode of Visitings, where we talk to artists who work outside traditional venues and are dedicated to the communities they are rooted in. My name is Alan Nakagawa and I'll be your host. Chiwan Choi is a writer, poet, and producer. His poetry book Yellow House has received accolades across the board. It was published this year, uh, 2017, and we had a chance to sit down with him while he was in the midst of the marathon literary program he co-curates, 90 by 90, which he co-produces with Judith Odin Choi, who he's married to, and Peter Woods. Chiwan's work can be viewed at chiwanchoi.com. Last few years, like, because I've been splitting time between Pittsburgh and L.A. because my wife is in Pittsburgh doing Ph.D. studies. Um, like, I think it was like last year. Mike and I was just we cru- we were just cruising around Koreatown. Mike Songson. Yeah. Mike the poet. Yeah. Uh, I think we had just gone to Document Coffee and then we just decided to drive around Koreatown and now it's I got so emotional because it, I don't think about how much my life is L.A. Koreatown because we moved to the U.S. We got we came to Koreatown in 1980 and basically we moved around like within like a two mile <laughs> radius all over Koreatown, you know. Um yeah, like just remembering the streets where I learned how to roller skate and like where, you know, we used to there were the building where there used to be this abandoned apartment on Gramercy Place. Uh where we used to all the kids used to just hang out doing terrible things. Like terrible, terrible things. <laughs> like what? Too just hard. terrible things. Tell me. The, yeah, just terrible things. Um, yeah, and it just, you forget how much a uh, city or a neighborhood, like, informs who you are. So, sort of like, not not so much, like, raises you, but it allows you to grow uh, in whatever way you're going to grow. And Koreatown was that. And, um... One thing I do is, like, whenever I'm in a city, I just look up at the sky because it's like all this. The skies are different in different cities you go, and like there's, and it's just comforting. <laughs> like this is the sky I lived under all these years. Mm-hmm. Like buildings change, people change, but this is the same sky I lived under, and it's kind of, yeah, takes me right back. What? <laughs> it's funny. Like when my wife first moved to um, L.A. She was like, "This isn't blue, like, and, you know." And then when you visit, like, when I visited Charlotte, you know, where she's from, and you look at the sky and you go, "Oh yeah, that's blue." <laughs> <laughs> LA is kind of grayish, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, I was in St. Louis like a few months ago. I was driving around with um, my wife's cousin and um. I looked up at the sky and there was something just like so I don't know it wasn't the, it's not just the color of it or anything it's just like something about it is different it's like it's almost like there's a difference in the way the sky treats the city depending where you go Tell me about your wife She's 
uh, Judith. Uh, we met at NYU grad school, and um, I was there oh two to oh four. She she was a student there oh one to oh three, in the dramatic writing department at, at NYU. She's amazing. I mean, as a writer, as a thinker, as a producer, she's worked in theater for many years of her life. Um, I was just telling her the other day, like, I feel like I've grown up alone for so long because I didn't do team sports or <laughs> theater. Um, that I'm just learning how to work with people. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's she's teaching me a lot about that and um yeah and so doing 90 for 90 like it's a trip that i'm involved in something so something that requires so many people (laughs) but i'm still not used to working with people can you explain to us what 90 for those who don't know what 90 by 90 is uh 90 by 90 is basically it's 90 straight days of literary and cultural events from July 5th to October 2nd. Here in Los Angeles. Here in Los Angeles and various parts of Los Angeles. Um, yeah, we did it once before in 2014, and we did most of that in one space, Tracks Bar at Union Station. So it was a different kind of a thing. We learned a lot from it. Um I don't think we had the focus and like the like a goal set forth clearly back then. It was just like, hey, let's just do these events. But this year it was more careful in setting our intent. So it's it's been pretty amazing. What was the intent? Um couple of things i think mainly i mean the i think the main thing was we wanted to explore and like celebrate the people in the different communities who are already doing work artistically uh, as activists as community organizers um because we keep you know, we keep falling into this, like, savior complex, you know? Like, hey, we bring in these people. They'll bring in art into this neighborhood or they'll bring in, like, some sort of organizing into this neighborhood. And it's like, man, there's been generations and generations of people in this neighborhood doing work, incredible work. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to uh, make sure um, that was something that was like put in the spotlight we're we're doing a lot of our events in south central and in little tokyo which are two neighborhoods that are just like on the verge of getting decimated Mm -hmm. with displacement um so we wanted to explore those areas a lot in different ways because different neighborhoods and you have to explore it in different ways about the press oh we're large press um <laughs> we 
like years back, like 20, no, 2006 or seven. It was soon after uh, I finished NYU and Judy and I moved back to LA. We published a um, journal called Wednesday for like a year and a half. And when that run ended, um, like we realized how many amazing writers we knew in LA. So we just wanted to publish some of their books. Um, so we started a large press and we figured we could probably publish one book a year. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, But at some point, like your your focus changes. Like books are weird. I love books, but I don't want to be in book publishing business as like a making and selling of a product. It's just a stupid product to sell because <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's a lot of work with no money. It's like this is a terrible business plan. <laughs> So then you have to sort of think about it like, okay, what we do want to do this. So what does it have to be? Um, so we started thinking of the book as like, as public engagement. So it was like, okay, so the book is like this evidence that like a relationship occurred between reader and writer. Like this is the place where that occurred. So uh, when we started thinking of it that way, it was like, we need to focus more on events that bring people together. Um, yeah, and then when we did that, we, uh, we, also, we became partners with Peter Woods, who at the time was doing e events at the last bookstore. Um, so when it became the three of us, like we were, we felt more flexible to try different events. Mm. Cause he, he's sort of amazing at it, putting together events. You know, I was talking to uh, students once where I was like publishing business, the book business, it's kind of a strange thing because it's so much is based on archaic structures, like big publishing houses, basically built by men for men. <laughs> um, and like even the, the remember the whole fear of ebooks are gonna are destroying paper books, which didn't happen. But there was so much of that was based on like nostalgia, right? like you know, where does what does it matter where you get your book from? Right. <laughs> uh, and nostalgia usually for me is problematic because nostalgia is always like I mean it's literally like make America great again. That's nostalgia, right? To so whatever the <laughs> memories are. Um, so I have no, I personally have no feelings about bookstores shutting down because like, if you didn't do it for the community, you should shut down. If you were just there to sell product, it doesn't matter to me whether you're a frozen yogurt place or a bookstore. Um, but if you're engaged and taking care of your community, then yeah, you should stay open. People should take care of it. And like, it's, it's, it has value beyond books. Let's go back to K-Town. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, the typical uh, interview thing would be to have somehow uh, 
ask you to come up with anecdotes about uh-huh. growing up in K-Town. But to me, I don't know, that feels like silly because that's what your work's about. Yeah. And you work really, really hard to to present what you're presenting. So to ask you to do an anecdote is kind of cheap to me. But for some reason, <laughs> I'm so proud that you're sitting yeah. in my living room and you're <laughs> representing my home village, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. all that sort of thing. So I don't know what to do. I don't know what to ask you. Should we talk about food? Man, yeah. Like, I wouldn't know where to start either. <laughs> like, it's funny. Every time I drive past, like, Wilton and Olympic, yeah, you know, there's that liquor store in, like, the uh, northwest corner that liquor store that's been there forever on Wilton and Olympic, like where Wilton becomes Arlington. Wilton. Olympic. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. That's been there forever. Yeah, sure. I'm like, God, I started thinking about how many hours I spent in there. Because <laughs> my friend George and I would go in there, play video games, and just buy frozen burritos because they had a microwave there. We just <laughs> heat it up in there, eat the frozen burritos, and keep playing video games for hours <laughs> every time i go by i think about it it's like it's just like it's one of those things there's a little um i guess it's like in the google map of my memories that's where like a pin is dropped <laughs> right, right, like, right. this is like frozen burrito place but is it also body memory like because when you pass by it, yeah, yeah 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 vibrates towards it or something yeah yeah um, and actually, on the other side of Wilton from there, um, mm-hmm. there's like that church slash private school. I don't know if you... It's like Gramercy Place. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. In back of the yeah, 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 yeah. 76 station and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, we used to go there to play basketball, like, af- oh, like really? after hours. So we would have to jump the fence to go in. Um, <laughs> But then we get kicked out by the people who run it. Well, somebody would be there. Yeah, like, oh. and it's like such a cliche. It's like such a cliche. But we would all get kicked out, and the guy who was obviously like the janitor slash, you know, property manager, property manager, <laughs> which is like, you know, older black man. And we're all just a bunch of Korean kids, mostly with and Korean kids and a few Latino kids. He'd go, "Yeah, get out of here!" And then he would like quietly, so his bosses wouldn't hear. Go, come back in twenty minutes. I'll let you back in. <laughs> oh, that's so cool! Yeah, so he would let us back in, and we would play for hours, like every week, every week, like multiple times a week. Yeah, it's it's a trip, like just like nameless people who sort of like looked out for you hmm. like i i mean he understood like kids needed a place to play yeah. <laughs> he wasn't hurting the building for us to right. play basketball <laughs> we we grew up in the industry not in the industry but within the 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 territory of the industry the hollywood industry yeah 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 and i think i mean you either go into that field or you just build a strong detector you know 
I always crack up when like East Coast people like <laughs> on LA for being too Hollywood. I've never seen people who go Hollywood faster than New Yorkers who move to LA. <laughs> <laughs> I just laugh. I'm like, yeah, we Hollywood's a. First of all, Hollywood is one industry. Secondly, Hollywood is mostly blue collar workers. It's like Teamsters and all these. I mean, celebrities are a very small percentage of it. <laughs> like a micro percent. Yeah. 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 Who get paid a lot of money? Who get paid a lot yeah. of money? Editor. It's weird. Like, I am. I don't know how I got into. Like I was saying earlier, like I'm not used to working with people, but like I've chosen a life that I'm constantly around people and I actually love the people, but like I'm feeling that thing of like, I just want to be alone for a bit. Um, yeah, I miss that part about writing right now, just being alone. 90 by 90, where are we? We're past the midpoint, right? Yeah, I think last night was 48 oh or something goodness. like that. <laughs> so we're only past the limit, <laughs> yeah, more or less. <laughs> yeah, dang, <laughs> it's wild. It is. Wild. <laughs> yeah, so new, I'm yeah. working on a book. Um, I'm writing all of it on Facebook. Like I'm, I'm writing directly into Facebook oh. as a status, like a status post. Oh, so I've they're seen all, those. yeah. They're, so those, those are all are? working drafts oh, of okay. whatever of the book. Oh, I see. For two, for a couple of reasons. One, I lose stuff a lot, so I know if I post it on Facebook, it will be there. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, like I, I'm always on the road, so I just write into my phone. Um, yeah. So I, I want to write the whole thing on on Facebook, on my phone. Sort of like, I mean, it, it's just it's just kind of, um, there was an article about this young producer who just like produces everything and makes beats everything on his phone. <laughs> nice. And like older people just poo poo on that, like you're not a real musician. It's like, oh. come on, man, give me a damn break. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so writing is sort of like that too. A lot of people like poo poo on social media stuff. And what you're saying is sometimes, or maybe most of the time, criticism is is actually nostalgia. Yeah, it was nostalgia and fear of losing whatever it is that you built up, you know? Like, there are many things, obviously, that I have zero idea about, like different fields of study, different industries, but being involved a lot in, like, the poetry world and publishing world, I'm, like, I'm always, like, I it's, it's sort of, my surprise has sort of died down, but used to always be surprised at how terrible it was like you, you expect i'm in the arts i mean i'm with people who write these are people of letters and you go you go in assuming better assuming best of people 
<laughs> but then you go in and you realize it's a really concentrated microcosm of the world. So you have incredibly terrible people in it doing terrible things. Maybe they're not marching with like torches, but you know, it's like recently, like after Charlottesville, like the day after or something, some fucking editor who's published like a magazine, like a journal for a little while, tweeted out like basically, I don't care that that woman died. I'm not, you know, I'm not part of the, she's just part of the stupid leftist mob or something. This is a poetry editor. Mm. Um, so then you look at, like, back issues of the stuff he published, and you see all these, like, amazing poets on it. You, you go, these are the gatekeepers. Even when they give you a crumb, this is still the gatekeeper. <laughs> wow. So it's like... And I want to say that's a rare occurrence, but it's not in the in in literary world, in academia, in publishing, in writing. It's gross. The amount of racism and misogyny is just gross. Like we've done forty eight events so far, right? It's been predominantly, I'll say like eighty to ninety percent like people of color presenting their work. So anybody who can't, who only puts white people on stage at their events, it's like, you're just, not only are you lazy, you're working really hard to put only white people on your stage. <laughs> ah, <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. And that becomes a, it's a huge problem. Yeah. It's like, why are you even publishing stuff? This is where the publishing part is like, Unless you have a bigger goal, it's like you're just putting out books, then what's the point? You're not necessarily helping the world if you're contributing to this kind of a system. And that's primarily like you, why you and so many other artists are searching for, in, in many cases, inventing new formats to get the word out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because we have to fight for space and for whatever resources there are. So social media is free. So you have to use it. Right. And, you know, it, like, it's funny, my wife, who's worked a lot with young people through Shakespeare Center, through schools and stuff, said, you'll, it's, you know, we don't think about it much when we say, damn, these kids, I wish they would stop looking at their damn phone and stuff. It's like for a lot of these kids from poorer families, that's the only Internet connection and computer they have is their phone. <laughs> they have to do all their work on it. Right. I mean, email stuff. It's like, what are you saying when you're saying stop looking at your phone? You're saying, why don't you live in a nice big house <laughs> where you can afford to play in the yard like while your parents are driving around? <laughs> it's like. You got to think about context. Alicia helps me explore like the things I'm afraid of. Um, like yesterday morning, this isn't nostalgia per se, but it's like the same emotional kind of process for me is, 
Oh, spoiler alert! Game of Thrones spoiler alert. <laughs> I was watching I was watching Game of Thrones yesterday morning, and the writing has been terrible this season, right? In Game of Thrones, so I knew what was coming, but still, as it was happening, when when the Night King kills one of the dragons, I just started crying. Mm. And so I had to pause and sort of think about what the hell that is, right? It's not because I love dragons so much that <laughs> on TV, one of them died, <laughs> was killed by a zombie, and then I'm sad. Um, but it, I sat there thinking about what it is I'm getting emotional about, and it's like, well, it was just my birthday. Like, I'm older than I ever imagined I would be. Right. Um, How my, old are you? I just turned forty-seven. Hey. <laughs> and my parents are older. They're having health problems. And it's like the sense of you know the dragon was the thing that seemed invincible. And I'm like fearing losing, losing people. That's what I mean. That's what it is. Um. Yeah, so I sat there just like crying and thinking about like, okay, so however long it may be, my parents are definitely in their last chapter of their lives. Like, I don't know how long the chapter is, but definitely. Um, and then what happens? Um, yeah, so that's, I think if we could just like think about like what it is that we're we're longing for, you know. I mean, that's why we, it's, it, for us outside it, we could look at people marching with torches. And it's like, you will not replace us. They're like literally saying, we want black people to be slaves again because we had it really good back then. <laughs> like, there's no other thing to it. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, when I was writing The Yellow House for a while, I listened to nothing but Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, and then, like, this past week, I've been listening to old Depeche Mode songs. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's a different, like, I'm a huge fan of melodrama. So, like, that's where my... When I'm working, that's where my musical taste goes to. So you're able to have music with lyrics playing while you're writing? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, is that unusual or is that common? Or My wife can't do it. Uh-huh. But she likes having the TV on in the background while oh. she works. What's the difference? I don't know. <laughs> I can't have the TV on in the background at work. Oh. Because... I have to watch whatever's on the TV. Right. So she'll have the thing on working. I'll be walking by and then I have to sit down and watch this thing that she has on. She's not even watching. I'm sitting there going, what's going on here? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, what? Are we <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The magnet. Yeah. It's. I like to just listen to music that 
so I don't hear myself thinking. You know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then I sort of feel immersed in whatever it is I'm writing instead of feeling like I'm transferring some thought onto the page. I feel more immersed in it. Yeah. It works for me. Yeah, no. <laughs> F, you know, clearly. <laughs> A lot of things work for me that don't work for others. A lot of things don't work for me that works for <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That puts a whole other yeah. facet on the diamond. <laughs> <laughs> we could end there. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, yeah. Chuan. Appreciate it. Thank you. That concludes another episode of Visitings. Thank you to Chiwan Choi for taking the time to speak with us. I highly recommend following Chiwan on Facebook, where, as he mentioned, posts his writings in progress. Thank you to Chiwan, Judith, and Peter for producing 90 by 90. Uh, thank you to the Echo Park Film Center for this opportunity and the good folks at the Machine Projects and Dub Lab for letting me share this on 99.1 FM. Music on today's episode is by yours truly in Department of Real Estate. I'm Alan Nakagawa, sitting in my living room in Koreatown, saying thank you for listening to Visitings. Just like a lot with friends and just... Why can't we have that? <laughs> yeah, why can't we just have, we have nice things? <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. Just like a lot with friends and just... Why can't we have that? Why can't we have nice things? <laughs> <laughs>